you will never make everyone happy. The internet will always be the internet. And you can literally say something that is not disagreeable. You can say two plus two equals four. And I guarantee you one person will comment and say no. So I say just talk about what you want to talk about. Because at the end of the day, that's what's going to allow you to keep doing this for a very long period of time. If you're just fabricating a message to cater to likes and comments, that's not sustainable. Do you wonder how to future-proof your content? Should you be riding the waves or planting your feet firmly and staying grounded? The answer is both. Stay curious and grounded. Stay on top of the information about new platforms, new trends, new technology, but grounded in your essential self, your essential message, your essential brand. Welcome to Grounded Content. I'm your host, Marian Abrams. This is the show for you if you're a content strategist, a content creator, or a brand or entrepreneur trying to figure out how to make content effective for you. Today, my guest is John Usteyev. He and I worked together on projects for Spartan, where he was the head of social media. In this episode, we talk about how to find success on Instagram Reels and TikTok, about what you need to do in those first three seconds to grab people, and about the four E's, what they are and why they matter. We also talk about a post that went viral. It was based on a fake Elon Musk tweet meme. A post I made about the viral tweet on LinkedIn the other day spurred some really interesting conversation that got me thinking about where the lines are between fake tweets, between jokes and memes, and misinformation and fake news. It's something important to think about and to be talking about. I'll post a link to that conversation here in the episode notes in case you want to jump in or just read along. This episode is for you if you are interested in real tactical advice on how to think about growth with Reels and TikTok and some of the essential concepts underlying both. So welcome, John Ustayev. You and I have worked together closely on a bunch of projects when you were working with Spartan. You were the head of their social media. You also took on Joe DeSena's social media. And now you have your own agency, Augment Media. Thanks for having me on, Marion. I'm glad we could do this. Yeah, I'm pretty psyched. So in terms of social, we were talking before this and you were saying TikTok is the place to be. And I know for lots of podcasters, they're saying they're seeing success. You know, good content will always win. There's no such thing where a platform is created for a certain type of content. It may start off as something just because the way it's created, you know, obviously like TikTok had like the really cool music embeds because it started off as musically. So naturally music, dancing, boom, that's how it started. But now at the end, good content always wins. So no matter what you are, no matter what you do, you can figure it out. You should absolutely be on TikTok just because the growth potential is insane. There's certain things you can do to increase your chances of exposure. But just because the platform is so, so new, the growth potential is like absolutely worth your time. I liked what you said about good content is good content. So what makes good content in your mind? So when I construct any piece of content for anybody in general, like you should be thinking about it this way is it's four E's to remember it by. The content added needs to be engaging, entertaining, educational, or emotional. And all those goes back to value. So if it's emotional, it moves you emotionally, it motivates you, gives you a tearjerker, it does something, moves your emotion, that's value. Whether it entertains you, it elevates your mood in some way, that's also valuable. If it educates you, obviously it's valuable, it's educating you. And then what was it on? Engaging. So it's actually like thought-provoking, makes you think a bit, great, that's also valuable. As long as a piece of content does that, it has a chance of getting a share. And if it gets a share, you're now taking it from one eyeball, well, I should say two eyeballs to four eyeballs, and it starts multiplying. So that's all you want to do, and that's how you grow an audience. So every single piece of content, touch one of those four E's. Everybody talks about getting the viral post, and it's kind of like most media advisors say, don't go after the viral post because it's better to be consistent. It's better to, you know, you talked about the four E's. 
Tell me about the post that you were sharing today. Yeah, so the viral post was on Monday after the news broke about Elon Musk buying out Twitter. I saw another account kind of put up a fake tweet of Elon Musk, and I basically just photoshopped over it. And the fake tweet was, now that I bought Twitter, I'm going to shut it down, dot, 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 get outside. So very on brand for Spartan. I thought our community would like it. I had no idea it'd go as viral as it did. And then I did a double take, as you always do when something goes viral, because you think it's like a mistake or something. And I remember in Facebook, in the first 10 minutes, it got like 1,400 likes, which is pretty strong for our page. And I'm like, okay, well, it's doing pretty well. Again, I didn't think it'd go as viral as it did. And then 40 minutes later, so 50 minutes, it was, I think, about 5,000 likes and 445 comments. When I saw 445 comments, I'm like, okay, this thing is full steam ahead. And on Instagram, it was going pretty fast. And then maybe like, you know, a day, a day and a half in, it got to 50,000 likes on Facebook. And then 54, and then it stopped completely. On Instagram, it was still going after a day, a day and a half. It was at 17,000 likes. It's still alive on Instagram. It's now at 20,000. But the weird thing on Facebook is, and I was wondering, I'm like, why did it stop at 54,000? Like, this should have kept going. And then I find out yesterday, this notification that says your post was flagged as fake news. And I'm like, well, duh. (laughs) Of course it was fake news. So it was so funny. But then USA Today wrote a whole article about it, that this specific post, and they quoted it and everything, is what got so many impressions. It reached a little over 2 million people on Facebook, and then more so on Twitter that the article mentions. And someone actually put it on Twitter, and that started going viral. So this thing had a... I created a Frankenstein, I guess, and that was pretty cool. Like I've had a few viral posts in my career, but nothing to the point where the news picks it up. So that was pretty cool. What do you think made that one succeed, if you had to kind of go back and analyze it? I think what made it succeed is our audience for sure. Our audience seems to like Elon Musk for sure. We've done a few things with content-wise with Elon and they enjoy it. Again, our audience also is like pretty anti-social media, get outside, enjoy the outdoors. So like him with the the joke about shutting it down and getting outside, it was kind of like feel good, relatable. And then it just kind of started like all this chatter. And a lot of people actually did think it was real. So I understand why they flag it as fake news. Because when I look in the comments, people were like, oh my God, like he can do that. And I'm like, uh, guys, this isn't real. Like, what are we talking about here? So like the fact that all these conversations are happening in the comments just like opened up the algorithm by a lot. Obviously, sometimes you hit it and you just keep trying stuff. But if you were trying to hit it like that, what would you tell somebody to do? The way you started off was perfect. Never aim for virality. It just kind of needs to happen. But there's things you can do that increase your chances. And things really go viral when it's like super relatable in the moment. So if something like news breaks... Like, that's a really, really good chance. Like, things are just buzzing. And people, again, the algorithms know this is what people are consuming this day. So they're just going to keep pumping it out. Are you saying on those days when something happens, just everything's buzzing anyway? Or you mean you really need to tap into and refer to that event? Yeah, it's it's good that you clarified. Things are buzzing on that topic. And the algorithms know that. So if you really want a chance of virality, look out for what's trending. And then don't just post it blindly. Like, it has to connect to your account. So in the sake of Elon Musk, we had to connect it to the fact of getting outside If we just made something up, it it really would not have landed. So always connect it back to your brand. The trending stuff is really what gives you a chance of virality. One of the things that comes up all the time with larger corporate social media accounts is you want to be structured, you want to be organized, you need to batch content, you need to be efficient, but you also have to be nimble and you have to be able to, you know, react to trends like this. How do you, running a large social media platform, how do you think about balancing those two things? Yeah, it's a really good question. And when people ask me what the content calendar is, the way I explain it is whatever marketing comms we have going out, that's like the thing set in stone, the pillars. 
everything in between those days is puzzle pieces you can move around because you do you need to remain agile absolutely you should not lose out on the opportunity to get like extra traction if something has that juice so if you know like wednesday your company has like a sale and it's like the campaign launches like that thing is set in stone but if also that wednesday something goes viral i would not wait i would just do another post that day and but if that thing on wednesday is movable it's not like a campaign or anything super super important just move that post to another day and take advantage of what's trending right now have a ton of batch content that you can put out on schedule, but be ready to drop the schedule anytime because that preparation exactly. is what gives you that flexibility. 100%. Yeah, spot on. Where do you start when you're working with a client and you want to figure out what kind of content they should be producing? I ask them, like, what do you want to be known for? Like, what are your pillars of content? And then from that, if someone says like, oh, I want to be like known for business and motivation or wisdom, then there's certain things you can do to see like what is working right now on social media. So you take those topics and you do research within the social media platform. So, you know, to be more tactical, you can go within the hashtags or you could find people within that space. So if someone's already an entrepreneur, you can go to other entrepreneurs, see what's working for their channels. And then you basically just take that and you spin it for this person's brand because everyone has a different way of delivering a message. There's also tools you can do to see like search volume. So a tool that I use often that I recommend is answertopublic.com. You can literally see what are people searching for. So if people say, how do I become more disciplined or how do I get up at 5 a.m.? Boom, that's a question people are looking for. And now you can kind of get into the psyche of a potential viewer. So how do you walk that line between finding the trends and the common search stuff and also helping that person be themselves instead of like a second best copy of Gary Vee or whoever it is? You know, I just say, like, pretend, like, just have a conversation with me. And that's how I do it with, like, when the camera's recording, just how, like, what we're doing right now. We're literally just having a conversation. The camera just happens to be on. So that's as genuine as it should be. And then the editing will do the rest. You know, the one thing you should not do that kind of really makes it difficult is go off on tangents. You have to keep it somewhat <laughs> of a narrow thought. But aside from that, you can make it work. What do you think is the difference between tiktok and reels in terms of like what content works or how people should be thinking about those well the good news is a lot of similarities and for the sake of like resources and time i recommend a lot of clients you kind of use the same content there's a little bit of things i would do differently to it for starters i'd say as i see people doing this do not download the watermark version on tiktok and post it as a reel please do not do that before you post it just save it and then just post it originally the way these platforms work specifically tiktok and also instagram is they recognize interest in content based off just visual and audio. So if they see that you keep liking videos that have a certain sound or song into it, and you are not using that native song in the platform, you're losing out on all those potential views. So I always recommend that if Instagram Reels has a song, use that song within Instagram Reels. So always export the video without like music attached and do the same thing for TikTok. Use the music that TikTok has. So it definitely tracks all that. And then same thing for original content is Instagram literally just announced an update a few, few days ago that they're going to do more of a better job tracking original content. And that's in part to compete with TikTok because they know a lot of people are doing this where they're reposting TikToks as reels. So they're trying to combat that. They want to award more original content creation. And there's things you can do to get around it. You could make the video a little bit shorter, just change it up or have it start a different way. But always use the tools that the platform gives you because it, it looks for all that stuff. So it's a little more work, but the payoff is worth it. Yep, absolutely. But I say the differences are TikTok, you know, you have 
three seconds, generally, same thing with reels, you have about two to three seconds to stop someone's thumb, maybe even less. So on TikTok, even if you watch three seconds, you quickly understand what the video is about. I still recommend you putting up text right in the beginning, just so people, in case they don't want to hear the first few seconds, they can at least see it in the first second, and it's more likely to stop their thumb. Instagram Reel, very similar idea. If you're a personal brand, what I'd recommend on the Instagram Reel side is like put a title up top, whether it's with the actual text or put it when you're editing your video, just so people can quickly see it. And the reason for it is because on TikTok, when you're scrolling, the video, the entire video fits your whole screen. So you're like right there. You're inside the video. It's like a vortex. On Instagram Reels, you have to tap into the video. So you're not, you know, parts of it still cropped out. It's typically a 1080 by 1350 frame. So it's harder to get someone to click in, which is why I say put a title or some type of text that's visible clearly up front because you want them to click in, unlike TikTok. So that's what I recommend there. Yeah. So how do you think about like once you've built an audience, obviously your face is going to be what's going to drive engagement. But when you haven't built an audience yet, you have to grab people with your topics Do you set up an effort that is for kind of like an acquisition, audience acquisition effort versus like a retention effort? Or do you just put everything out there in one way? No, I put everything out there in one way. I think eventually the content will tell you what people are like kind of attracted to. So certain topics you'll see like numbers will go up and it's like, okay, well, specifically this topic, people want to know more of. And you know what I say is kind of, you don't want to get overly redundant with it. You don't want to be known for one little thing over and over again. Like you should have a niche ideally. But it shouldn't always be one topic over and over again. And you'll see like every few months, you'll kind of want to bring up old topics because you have new followers and they haven't seen the older stuff. They're not going to scroll all the way back. So yeah, no, I don't view it as like retention and how do we get new followers. It's more like then they is the content valuable to hit one of those four E's. Then if someone saw it already, then they saw it already. They're going to just go off to the next one. But if it's still valuable, hopefully it gets the new follower. And then now they're into your ecosystem of followers. What if your audience is telling you something like they like certain things that are counter to your business goal? Like you're trying to sell a certain kind of thing or service or brand and the audience is seeing and responding to something different than that. How do you handle that? I would own that conversation. I wouldn't ignore it. So I'd say create content around it unless it's like complete opposite of what you're trying to do. So if you're like a a vegan and you're talking about veganism, but then everyone's like, no, red meat all the way, then don't start making content about red meat. Like it's contradictory to your brand, but have a conversation. Be like, hey, I see a lot of comments on red meat. I either am going to go on Instagram live and have a conversation or this really works with TikTok and the algorithm. For instance, if someone leaves a comment saying, no, forget this nonsense. I want red meat. Reply a video in that comment. First off, TikTok likes that for the algorithm. And then you're directly answering to that person. That person will absolutely see it. And then your audience would be like, huh, okay. Like I see that. I like that he's acknowledging it. He or she is acknowledging it. Like that's really, really cool. But it's giving you content. It's a conversation. At the end of the day, that's all this really is. It's just a conversation and there's a wall behind it. But if someone's actually giving you content to talk about contradictory to what you want to do, you can break that wall and you're now you're actually having an interaction. So that works if it's the opposite almost, right? But what if you're like a vegan and you want to talk about veganism and you've got a bunch of cookbooks and all that and everybody responds to all your posts about your electric car? And like, they don't care about veganism. They just want to hear about what car you love and the trip you went on. And that's what they respond to. Do you try to like move your audience over or do you just kind of go all in on that? I wouldn't change what your brand is supposed to be about just from the comments. I think eventually their behavior is what will change essentially. They either unfollow you because they're not going to get the car content and they'll go follow someone who's giving them the car content. And that's fine. Like, 
at the end of the day, it's a weed out process. So you're going to attract the audience. You're going to speak to the people. But it's so hard because you want to grow your audience and you see you're like, God, maybe I should post more car stuff because they love that. I'm so glad you said that, though, because this is like a PSA and I was just talking to another client about it. That's all like trolls in his comments and is like never really experienced that because it's his first time being online. And it's kind of like you will never make everyone happy. The Internet will always be the Internet. And you can literally say something that is not disagreeable. You could say two plus two equals four. And I guarantee you one person will comment and say, no, well, you're thinking about it a different way. And it's like you can't even reply to that. But the Internet will always be the Internet. So I say just talk about what you want to talk about, because at the end of the day, that's what's going to allow you to keep doing this for a very long period of time. If you're just fabricating a message to cater to likes and comments, that's not sustainable. Eventually, you're going to be like, this is not me. This is not authentic. And you're going to burn out. You're going to lose passion. You're going to stop doing it after a few months. And it might be a slower build, but it's going to be a more valuable build, right? It's future-proofing you. How do you think about your obligation to the audience in terms of culturally and society and community? Do you think about that at all? I've actually never really told this story to anybody. Three years ago, right before Spartan, before I linked up with Joe, I worked for an agency. And at the time, there was a CEO... And, you know, it was like CEO that kind of wanted to monetize his personal brand, like selling stuff that really was like snake oil type kind of stuff, telling people how to be rich. He was very, very far from rich. And like I was helping him spread that message. And then like at that point, I had like a very clear moment where I kind of said, okay, from this point on, I'm only going to help people spread the message if they actually know how to help other people. So I don't care how much money is involved on the table. At the end of the day, if you're going to sell yourself as an expert, you actually need to be an expert in that field. And part of that comes with like, do your research or, you know, know what you're talking about. I'm not saying you can't make mistakes. Of course, you can make mistakes. That's fine. But I think there's part of a moral dilemma. Because at the end of the day, people absorb this information. And there's already a lot of plenty of fake news out there. So I'd rather not contribute to that cause. And there's the unintentional versions of that, too. So I've been talking to a lot of podcasters, and they all know they need to repurpose their content. And they're trying to figure out how to convert their podcast content effectively into Reels and TikTok and Instagram. What have you found works? Oh, it's the age-old question. I mean, yeah, repurposing content and getting kind of like that bait, as I call it, to get them to watch something long form. It's always the magic sauce. For me, what I find works is take the juiciest part, like take the bait of that video, whatever is like the most thumb-stopping thing. You could either give it all in the bait and be like, wow, that was amazing. I want to see more. Or you can leave them off on a hook. Some people react differently. Me, I'm more so just giving it all. Just like give it all because I'd rather somebody sees a clip for just 30 seconds, three or four or five times, and eventually says, wow, I've learned like three or four things from this podcast already. Let me just watch this thing already. So that's what I'd rather happen as opposed to you just keep baiting them. They never actually see it and they probably won't ever see it. Right. And probably worry less about the call to action. And I mean, one of the ways that I talk to podcasters about it is just think of your podcast as like your content factory. Don't worry about growing the podcast, but you've got all these great interviews and now you have a place to cull all these ideas and all this content from. And don't worry about trying to drive the traffic back to the podcast. Exactly. hundred percent. Yeah. So let's go back to the first three seconds, because I think that's the key, because it's like the old thing with an email headline. It's like... (laughs) You can't make the sale if they don't open the email and they won't open the email if the headline's not right. And so like, if you don't have those first three seconds, it doesn't matter how good the rest of the thing is, it's useless. Exactly. So let's get into some tactics there. What should people be doing in their first three seconds? 
You know, there's a whole craze right now on TikTok I'm seeing where personal brands are intentionally doing very weird things. So I'll give you an example. Like Jason Capital, he'll put an oversized hat on that like covers his ears and like anybody who sees like, dude, this hat doesn't fit. And it's on purpose because you see that it sticks out and you comment on it. And there's another guy, Ryan Pineda, he changed his hair color three times from red, blue and yellow or blonde, I should say. That's like extreme. I wouldn't recommend doing that. But I'd say for the sake of the actual content is typically what really, really works is either say something that people will either disagree with from the bat and have to watch the rest to see why they disagree with it or something that's just kind of like, wait, what? Like something just didn't, they have to understand it for a bit. Kind of like when someone speaks too fast and you say, wait, what? But then a few seconds later, you finally understood what they said. Something like that, where the first few seconds is, they say something really quickly or fast and they have to watch the next 15, 20 seconds to unravel that piece. So that's what you want to do. You want them to create value from that piece of content, but the first three seconds, it needs to be thumb-stopping enough where they need to get there. I know in the old days, we would talk about social media and we would say, it's got to be visually engaging because most people are watching without listening. But music is such a big part of TikTok. Is that still the case? It does need to be visually appealing for sure. I mean, if you're watching something on a nice camera like yours, Marion, you're more likely to watch it than like a grainy zoom for sure. And there's certain things that like best practices on TikTok, like right now, burned in captions are like a very hot trend. I'm sure you've seen it everywhere. Like captions that are there and jump around with emojis and pictures like right there next to somebody's mouth, more likely to succeed. Same thing with jump cuts. There's people that, you know, move around the frame in and out over and over just to keep the eye stimulated. Does that backfire where, yeah, you get engagement and then like everybody is going to stop the scroll. They're going to watch for a few seconds. And then the third time they're like, what the hell? I do not need this in my life. Like it move on. It could backfire. I'd say like, the numbers will tell eventually where like if you see numbers really, really decline, then it means you just trick people for a few videos. It's not very sustainable. But if you're onto something, you do really, really jumps that cut successfully and the numbers are like stacked, like pretty good and steady, then you're onto something like th- that you should keep doing. So how do you balance following that trend and following the tactics and being, I hate the word authentic, but like being true to the personal brand? Because most of your clients are personal brands, right? Yep. Yep. Most of the personal brands. And if we're company brands, even now, like I'll attach a personal brand to the company brand just because it's easier to convey a message through it. But to answer your question, how do we do all the magic sauce and stay authentic? I just make the client worry about being authentic. And then the people on the back end, which in this case is me and the team, we do all the magic sauce. Because I don't want the client to worry about all this stuff like, oh, I have to be like, you know, say something crazy in the first three seconds or something like that. It's like too much to think about. It's like, no, just do what you got to do and we'll do the rest. We'll edit something in the beginning to make people want to watch. We'll put the music, all the captions. And that's essentially why we get hired is because for people who have a lot going on, it's too much to keep up with. Like literally every other week, something changes on one platform or another. So it's a lot to keep up with, which is hence why I have a job. No, that makes so much sense because they can worry about their actual content, their actual message, and you can really focus on how you execute in a way that's going to grab people's attention. Exactly. So how do you look at the difference between a personal brand and a brand? Because you've done both now at a large scale. I think a personal brand is easier. I think right now we're hitting seeing a golden age of personal brands because a personal brand can interject themselves in conversations a company can't. Like, I'll give you for the sake of Spartan and Joe. When I just came onto the scene with Spartan, everyone kept asking, like, do we really have to pay this guy, John? Like, Joe, why do you need to be an influencer? Like, what's going on here? And the way I justified it is, like, look, Elon Musk steals all the headlines. He does everything every single time. And he's even buying companies now, like tech giants. So he can get himself into conversations Tesla can't. 
But every time you see Elon, you subconsciously think about Tesla or now Twitter or the boring company or Neuralink, same thing with Richard Branson and Virgin and all the other companies he owns. So a personal brand can get themselves in conversations a company can't. Spartan can never get themselves in a conversation about entrepreneurship ever. It has nothing to do with it. It's a fitness and obstacle course racing company and lifestyle brand. So that's the advantage a personal brand has. You could creep yourself in conversations. Now the disadvantage is a company brand that's relying on a personal brand. You can question if that's sustainable in the long run. Like, what are you going to do if, like, let's say all the noise that Spartan ever made came through Joe? What happens when Joe retires or sells the company or what happens then? So that's the caveat there. But it's very, very tough nowadays for people to engage with the company brand over and over and over again. It's not really like typical behavior. Like people don't really wake up in the morning and say, let me see what Nike's up to. Usually what you do is you check people's social media. So like that's intentionally the behavior. So that's why I'm always like such an advocate for personal brands. That makes sense. So do you just use your gut when you're like, this trend or this style is saturated and it's time to make a move? Yeah, absolutely. With that, it's kind of when the platforms change. So, you know, when IGTV was around before they got rid of it, it seemed like longer form stuff was doing well for certain people. You didn't have to like capture their hook as much. Now with like Instagram reels and TikToks, it's like you'll see a lot of the burned in caption stuff. And a lot of people are using the same burned in captions over and over again. Because it's working, but to your point, it's like saturating the feed. Everything looks the same. Yeah, like right now, it's like the white and the yellow and the emojis. (laughs) It's like everywhere, right? Everywhere. It's literally everywhere. But yeah, to answer your question, what I recommend people do so it doesn't, so your whole feed does not look like a whole talking head, literally, is don't forget your personal brand to show parts of your life. Like you're a person. So put up pictures of your family or your kids or behind the scenes of you at a podcast or a bad day that you had, like that stuff surprisingly, is sometimes some of the best performing stuff because people are like, oh, wow, he posted a picture of his family or like he posted a picture of him having a bad day and like there's a whole story in the caption. Like this is different. This is unique. And just because it's different, it's more likely to stop your thumb because people are just not expecting it anymore. So always change it up. Don't just keep doing the same thing just because it's working because eventually it won't. So you want to keep your audience stimulated in that regard. So are there things that you should be doing that are bigger than the tactics in order to make sure that your brand is going to carry through beyond like, you know, it's going to be Clubhouse and then they're going to be gone and then Facebook and Twitter, like it's going to keep changing. What are some of the essential things that you need to do that are going to future-proof you through all these changes? One is staying organized and knowing where your content lives. Because if you did all this work and like you're all over the place and you have a huge YouTube library and YouTube no longer a thing and then a new thing comes out, and you like, oh my God, I have years of footage and I don't know where it is. And it's going to be too overwhelming to catch up to what that new thing is. So be organized, you know, whether it's written content, have it transcribed somewhere, have it properly categorized. Same thing with video content, have it in a nice little folder. So whenever that next platform is, and that's another part of recommendation, is always kind of see what's going on. The only thing I ever like ruled out from the get was Clubhouse. I didn't ever think, I didn't think I had a chance. <laughs> it did so well for me. Like it came and it went, but for audio content, the people that I met and the followers that I got, it was like very fast and really like high caliber connections and people. It was amazing. I mean, it's done now, but it was worth jumping in. Well, see, to your point, so you got something out of it and that's amazing. So like, that's why I'm saying always have an open mind. Like I didn't have an open mind about Clubhouse and I probably missed out on opportunity, but always have an open mind for everyone that says like TikTok was, you know, about dancing and all that stuff. The people that were doing videos now that are popular back then, like a year or two ago on TikTok, like they have a huge advantage over everyone. 
So always have an open mind. And just because your audience is not in a place yet doesn't mean they won't be. So that's another big thing I hear from my clients' perspective is like, well, I don't need 20-year-olds following me in my audience. So it's like, well, eventually the 40 and the 50-year-olds will come. So if you're just doing it now, you just have such a huge advantage. So just do it and stay patient with it because eventually, again, good content always wins. That's like, there's one thing you get out of this whole thing and it's very obvious. It's like good content will always win. So as long as you're just doing that and you're making life easier by staying organized with content, no matter what platforms change, you always have a leg up. We talked about good content always wins. Your four E's. What else do people need to know to make great content? Like the four E's is great, but then what? I think a big message is it's not as expensive as it seems. Like what iPhones can do nowadays, you don't need a whole fancy setup. You don't need to hire a video editor. You Obviously don't those, need to hire a video editor. Well, it will help you if you have one. That was, I was going to finish the sentence with that. It's like, it'll take you longer without a video editor. Let me say that. But I don't want to deter anyone ever from like not doing like if If you literally cannot afford a video editor, that should not stop you from creating videos or still posting content. It could be written content. There are things you can do. I mean, there's so many technology platforms now and phones are so good that you can post. And then even if you don't have time to write, just audio transcribe it, turn it into a written doc, you know, check it for spelling errors and then post it. So there's really not many objections anymore. Yeah. I mean, you're completely right. Like you can shoot on your iPhone, you can edit the video right in Reels or in TikTok, or there's apps that are amazing that you can use. But one of the things I see my clients underestimate a lot is like, even though it's super efficient, it still takes a lot of work. And, you know, I think people have unrealistic expectations sometimes about what they should be able to do on their own. 100%. Like they put a lot of pressure on themselves. They put a lot of pressure on themselves. You know, it always comes down to you, you pay for what you get. So if you want to do it by yourself and you have a big appetite for patience, because it does take a lot of time to your point. And it's all these other things going on in life. The last thing on your mind is I got to post something tonight, especially if you're not organized. It takes a long, long time. That's why people like us exist and have a job is because we come in and do our best to growth hack something or help grow something and create a process for somebody. Because again, it works. It really, really, really does work. And I think people are finally, finally seeing that the mentality change pre and after COVID was huge. That's why I decided to make the jump out on my own because before COVID, I had so much resistance between people saying, no, I don't really need social media. And now after COVID, like, the people that survived business-wise had some type of an online footprint. They saw the urge for it. Now everyone understands the importance of having an online footprint. So what's your advice for staying grounded as a content creator or a content strategist or even in your role in an agency? How do you balance that? How do you stay grounded and be effective? For me personally, it's because I'm always supposed to be checking feeds for clients and make sure everything's okay. You're sometimes always on your phone and that's not always great. So that comes with the territory. So even for yourself or your clients have like a time where you're just kind of like, okay, I'm done with this phone or I'm done with this screen because you do have to wind it down. I mean, if you're always checking people's feeds, you're always checking Instagram stories, it becomes one big blurry area. It's not very, very healthy. How do you do that for yourself? I'm not very good at it. <laughs> do you have any ground rules? It's mercurial, but you know, I think I eventually will log off around 8 p.m., sometimes a little bit sooner, assuming it's like not a crazy, crazy, crazy day. I'll log around 8 and I'll, you know, spend time with a dog and fiance and try to be a little more normal and try not to check my phone. Whatever problem comes around can be figured out tomorrow type of thing. 
Do you ever get sucked into the vortex? Like you're checking feeds for your client and doing your work, but you're in there on TikTok and all of a sudden, like you realize a half an hour's passed and you're watching puppies or something? All the time. All the time. <laughs> what I need to start doing better is like plan that type of time, kind of like what Nurayel says in Indistractable. It's kind of like block the time to do that. I like categorize it and it is, I'd say get a lot of inspiration from just browsing. And I think if you're into space, you should just browse because that's the only way you're going to get ideas. Yeah, and you kind of need to get the vibe and the culture of what that room is like, right? Exactly, exactly. So I think just scheduling that time out so it doesn't kind of just consume so much more time of your days is really, really important. I, I should definitely be doing a better job at that. All right, how can people find you and find out about working with you and what you guys are doing? Yeah, so the company Instagram is at Augment Media, A-U-G-M-E-N Media. My LinkedIn username is Jonathan Ustayev, J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N. Last name, good luck. I'm not going to be able to spell that out. Um, <laughs> It'll be in the title to the episode. Thank you. And then, yeah, the website is augmentmedia.com, which just finished. But best way is probably just Instagram at augmentmedia. And I'll definitely start posting more specifically on like LinkedIn and stuff because that stuff really does help. Thanks, John, for joining us today. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Chris Zarnock, for editing the episode. And I always love to hear from you. You can find me at Mad Motion on Instagram or just go to my website, madmotion.com, and leave me a message. I'll see you next time.